1: Everybody on? Good, great, grand, wonderful.
0: No yelling on the bus! Live from the Fast Sign studio.
1: Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come
0: inside, come inside. It's the show with Leo and Balky. I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. By some divine miracle, we were paired up. You got that idiot at the coffee shop to lie for it? Did you just call me a freak? Do you have anything else? How about a fresco? For
2: God's sakes, just give me the damn number! Lighten up, Francis.
0: Call now at 920-281-1570 or 866-653-1570 if you want to join the program. And I'll tell you something else. This is the show, and we're not going to change it. And now, ladies and gentlemen, let's do this thing. Here they are. It's Leo and Balky.
3: Hello, Score Squad. Welcome to the show with Leo and Bulky. It is brought to you by Fast Signs of Appleton. You can see all of its products at fastsigns.com. Follow it on Facebook and Instagram by searching Fast Signs Appleton. Discover the power of highly customized visual solutions. With Fast Signs, anything is possible. Make your statement with the help of Fast Signs Appleton. The Cease Electronics Talk & Tech studio line open now. At nine two zero two eight one fifteen seventy or eight six 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 five three fifteen seventy. Email the show at the scores email inbox at thescorewi.com WI.com and click on email the studio. I got breaking news, Leo. Breaking news is made possible by Northside and Kruger's True Value Hardware. Here's Walt Walnut. According to
2: Cleveland Browns head coach, Kevin Stefanski, the Cleveland Browns will know whether Deshaun Watson will be starting Sunday's game against the Indianapolis Colts by Saturday. They will not work him out, and they will know by Saturday, a full day before the game starts, whether Watson will play in Week 7. That is your breaking news, brought to you by Northside and Kruger Shoe Value Hardware. Remember, with your Toro Snowblower, your Toro Lawnmower, news, or your hopes of P.J. Walker having a huge game against Indianapolis, break! Northside at Cougars True Value Hardware fixes it. That's your breaking news. I'm Walt Walnut. Back to you, Mr. Kuyper Jr.
3: Thank you, Walt. Have a nice weekend and off to Sazerac land for you, my friend. Bulky and I will take it from here. So would you play P.J. Walker over Desmond Ritter? We had a question last night. Does Sean Watson or Desmond Ritter, you said Watson all the way, even if he's playing with that bad shoulder? No question. Would you still play P.J. Walker over Desmond Ritter? Um, No, then I'd play Ritter. Okay. All right, that's a wrap for today. You've been a great audience, and uh, thanks for listening. Wow, do we have a lot of guests again today. This is <laughs> funny man indenture denture Thanks Eric. to Leo Kuyper, Jr. What's coming up Monday, Balky
2: Balkman? We got Van Fias coming up on Monday. Oh. We're going to be talking with Tom Oates, Bill Scott. It's going to be a great weekend. Drew and KB is up next. Have a great weekend, Northeast See ya. Wisconsin.
1: Woo! Back up my belongings, I
3: <laughs> well, that was rich I kind of wish that would would be the end of the show But uh, no, we have a great show today. Hey, there we go It's been a great show Ask and ye shall receive <laughs> Two wi- I don't want to waste my third wish on that You never watched Gilligan's Island, did you? What's with Gilligan's Island today? Did something happen? No, it just—they were talking up.
2: about it on the game as well, Gilligan's Island. Oh, really? Yeah.
3: Well, he there was an episode where he had three wishes because he found this Eye of the Idol, and his first wish was he wished for uh, no one cares some vanilla ice cream, <laughs> and then it rolled up on shore. Really? How <laughs> yeah. does vanilla
2: ice cream roll up on the shore of an island? Ah, uh,
3: yeah, they stuff rolled up on shore all the time on that show. So then his the second wish was uh, chocolate ice cream, and of course that rolled up. Then his third wish was to get off the island, and they all stood on the end of the island, and a piece of the island broke off and floated into the lagoon. And the rest is history. They didn't get off the island, and no one cares. What happened in the final episode of Gilligan's Island? <laughs> Pat Pat liked our show opening outro. Pat, The, the opening outro. I love the, it. The opening outro. Uh, the final episode. Well, you know it was renewed, and then it was... Uh, abruptly canceled, so they never really got a true, and bulky cracks one. Happy Friday, everybody. Yeah. That's going to be me in about two hours from now. As soon as the show is done, we are we are toasting beers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's rich. Uh, all right. Oh, that's rich. Our thirst
2: will not be quenched until 3 No, no to
3: answer your question, they brought it back in, like, the 80s and kind of rescue from Gilligan's Island, and it was so stupid. It was terrible. I never liked the... Uh, you can You can never redo things. You need to strike where the iron's hot. So you, you're not gonna. If Seinfeld gets rebooted, you're not gonna watch it. Well, that goes without saying. I'll watch it, but it's just not gonna be the same. All right, jam packed show today. Let's get yeah, to let's it. do it.
1: Excuse me. Who <laughs> <laughs> like the TV show? Uh, what is the soup de jour?
2: It's the soup of the day.
1: Sounds good. I'll have that. Let's
3: see what's on today's sports menu. The first hour sports menu made possible by Tanner's Grill and Bar West, 110 South Nicolay Road in Appleton, Wisconsin. Football special tomorrow: five for fifteen domestic bottles. So you could get, you can you can you can pick and pack here. You can you get a Budweiser, you can get a Bud Light, you can get a Bush Light, you can get two Bush Lights, two Bud Lights, whatever you want to do, whatever your favorite. Bud product—they're five for fifteen. Or maybe you like mixing it up, or yeah, just mix it up. You could do one Budweiser, one Bud Light, a Bush Light. Oh, I would think wouldn't Mick Ultra be in that family too? Yes. Yeah, I would think you could. They, they don't have that in, in the bucket that I'm looking at. It's because right it's now. a premium beer. Yeah, it, it's 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 kind of high end. It's kind of posh. Plenty of football on today's show, including on Football Daily. Illinois—is it beneath Wisconsin? Right <laughs> off the beaten path with Marcus path. Uh, he's coming on earlier today. He has a meeting, a lunch meeting to go to, so he's gonna strike while the iron's hot here in today's first hour. The Leap co founder and the Locked On Packers podcast host, Peter Bukowski. We missed him on Wednesday. Hopefully, he comes on today. Score poll coming up in hour two. Fantasy football overtime. Already questions coming in, bulky. And then 1265 today, Acme Packing Company, Green Bay Packers analyst, Justice Mosqueda. That, my friend, is a lot of football. It's all football today. Pretty much, yeah. Um, we might have gotten into a little bit of Bucks
2: with Marcus, but we'll see. Cease Electronics talking text lines blown up right now. Corey Stuckey, I literally just turned on the radio. I said, did I miss 1 p.m. <laughs> to 3 p.m. of my life? <laughs> um, and then uh, Mrs. Fact Checker, last episode of Gilligan's Island was like all the others. They were still stranded on the island. It was not known at the time that it would be the last episode. <coughs> oh, God. Oh.
3: You all right, Punky? My God. Oh, everyone. I've got I've got I've to go over there. There'll be no mouth to mouth. I'll tell you that right now. There'll be no mouth to mouth. Good. <laughs> oh my God! Snap. I don't know what happened. It went down the wrong pipe wrong apparently. apparently. Woo That's
2: why you don't get you don't drink chili pepper stouts <laughs> on the air. That's that's that's, that's yeah. the lesson there. Yeah, don't a choke them. A four season was expected, but then canceled, which is kind of what you were saying, right, Leo?
3: Yeah, the president. But then of- somebody
2: brought it back on a different network.
3: No, oh, no, it was okay. uh, well, it was brought back in a in a reboot, like in the '80s. It was like 19 it might have been 1980 mm. it, it, that could have been on a different network but it wasn't a series again right mm. but anyway no
2: obstacles no incidents on in all major highways from Fontenac Lac to Green Bay that is your Hurling Clark law firm traffic update um, kick I,
3: I think I have songs for both my parents on the show today this is gonna be the first one I think that Gilligan's Island uh, actually came on like ten years after so do they have any of the original cast <laughs> <laughs> isn't that this band, ten years years ago Oh, I see what you're saying. Nice. Yes. (laughs) I did
2: not. I picked up on it now. Yeah, this is 10 years after, which I believe if I could could be wrong in this, but I think my father is a fan. Oh, God, I still am getting verklempt over here. Uh, Rick Lee uh, is the drummer for 10 years after. This is uh, their song, I'd Love to Change the World, which we're listening to today Mm -hmm. in honor of Rick Lee's birthday. 78 years young today. If he's still alive, I should have looked that up. I hate wishing... These people' birthdays, if they're not, if they're not, you know, still alive with, with us any longer. Uh, he is still alive, and he is celebrating. Thank God! Today. Is
3: Bulky still alive? That's the. Oh question. my goodness!
2: I don't know what happened. Thank well, God we got a
3: break coming. Let's up. get to a break. Football Daily coming up next. Illinois is it beneath Wisconsin? Right? I don't know. We'll talk about Geographically it. Geographically
2: speaking, it is. Yes, but will they be in the college football world tomorrow
3: afternoon? Ah, we'll talk all about that and more when we come back.
1: Nation. Leading, still
3: more economy. Life is funny. Skies are sunny.
2: Help the score of the Salvation Army and WBAY TV2 keep kids warm this winter during the annual Coats for Kids Campaign. New or gently used clean winter coats can be dropped off now through October 26th. Find the drop-off location nearest you at CoatsForKidsWI.com. The annual Salvation Army Coats for Kids campaign with WBAY-TV2 in partnership with Midwest Restoration Fire and Water Damage Specialists, Empire Exteriors, PDQ Car Wash, Fox Communities Credit Union, and 953 3 and 99-1 the, uh, the score. Excuse me, silver-clempt. New, new or gently used clean winter coats can be dropped off now through October 26th. you got less than a week to do it. If you're looking for the drop-off location nearest you, just go to CoatsForKidsWI.com. That's CoatsForKidsWI.com. CoatsForKidsWI.com.
0: When a man falls out of your boat and into the water, you should yell, Man Overboard! Now what should you yell if a woman falls overboard?
3: Fall speed ahead. <laughs> hey, Score Squad, where are you watching the green and gold or your favorite pro team on Sunday. I'll tell you where, game day sports bar. They have the Sunday ticket. So they have every game on, it's a no brainer. Happy hour going on right now. I'm heading over there right after the show. Starts at one until five, that's Monday through Friday. Check out its full menu and stay informed on all of its upcoming events. Like their big Halloween bash coming up a week from Saturday. Go to gameday-sportsbar.com. It's also up on their Facebook page. Stop by and see them at 225 Stony Brook Road, just off KK and 441 in Appleton. We just hear this song yesterday. I think we did. How about that? Um,
2: what are the odds? Yeah, what are the odds? So, um, game day. Yes, game
3: day. You're a fan. Didn't you say you're excited to go there? I'm very excited. After the week I've just had on the other side of the building, so I, I need a drink. When are you getting over there? I don't know what time you want to go. Well, what did you just say? I said uh, you're going to go to game day right after the show. <laughs> it's been a great week. Thank you so much for all the great guests. <laughs> Bulky, what's coming up on Monday?
2: Oh, we forget about Monday. We're going to get over to game day. All right, it's a it's a game day kind of a day. All right, so. Wisconsin and Illinois, we don't have a whole lot of time to pontificate on this. Um, <laughs> so we'll get into it right right. Pre game coverage begins at twelve thirty PM Central Time on 1035-1063 WHBY. 230 kickoff when the four and two Wisconsin Badgers roll into Champaign, Illinois, home of Ludacris, to take on the three and four <laughs> that was Illinois Fighting Illini. Line um, no, Eye. that was Wednesday's show, actually. Fighting Illini, line which uh, featured both Brett Bielema and Jim Leonard on this. The uh total on this opened at forty one and a half, got up to forty two and a half, it is now down to forty and a half. Leo, go ahead and guess that spread.
3: The Badgers can't be favored, can they? I'm not going to tell you. Badgers by two.
2: So you say the Badgers can't be favored and then you pick them as being favored. Yeah,
3: I saw it earlier in the week. Oh. Leo
2: was
1: right. <laughs> Leo was one hundred percent right.
3: Badgers open up as it's almost impossible not to see these when you're when you're watching sports programming. Yeah, and the long. the question
2: is are you gonna be off by more than than a half point? Yeah. You were not today. Badgers open up at four and a half point favorites. They are still two and a half point favorites, so it, it has gone down a little bit. Um can we get a prediction from you on this game? Uh how it's gonna go and a final score.
3: Yeah, I'd not bullish on this offense right now. Uh Braden Locke's got to prove it to me going down. I mean, they were hammered by Illinois last year. So I'm gonna say it's gonna be a pretty close game, but uh seventeen thirteen Illinois.
2: I am going to take the Badgers in this one, but I think it's a comeback. I think Braden Locke has a comeback on the road, and uh, he leads them to the lead in the fourth quarter, and the Badgers defense holds. I got Wisconsin winning 22-18. to 18 Did we ever find out who
3: the backup quarterback is going to be for Braden Locke? Is it going to be Nick Evers, or who was the, uh, the Wisconsin kid that uh, was in the mix? Miles Burkett. Miles Burkett, yeah. They said Evers is a better runner. I don't know I, where to look for that because it's not I,
2: on the Badgers' website. I don't think they have a depth chart there.
3: Okay. I think one of them will be playing before the end of this game. That's my prediction. You think because
2: Locke is going to stink or he's yep. going to be knocked? Okay. I think so. All right. I don't see that happening, but there is a non-zero chance of anything. There is a non-zero chance. Bold prediction chance. from Leo Kiefer Jr. here today. We just played 10 years after a break before, which I know was one of my dad's favorites. Let's play one of my mom's favorites. Oh. Little three dog night here.
3: Yeah. This
2: is Mama told me not to come. And by the way, speaking of my mom, she uh, she did update us on the Cease Electronics uh, Talk, talk Text Studio line. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 19, so this is back to Gilligan's Island. 1978 made for TV feature Rescue from Gilligan's Island. The castaways built a raft out of their huts yeah.
3: after their professor told them a tsunami was coming. Oh, the tsunami thing again. I'm not sure why they couldn't have done that years before. Thank you. Appreciate well, the it, tsunami mommy. must only come every decade or so. Yeah. Because Duke the Surfer surfed back to Hawaii on the reverse tsunami. Really? Yeah. Oh, my. This show. He surfed. He took off from the lagoon and caught the reverse tsunami, hit his head on a rock when he got back to Hawaii and had amnesia and couldn't tell everyone about the castaways. So (laughs) stupid! This is like an episode of Lost, and funny and sad at the same time. Oh, that Duke the Surfer! So this is Three Dog Night,
2: obviously famous for "Joy to the World." We're playing "Mama Told Me Not to Come" because the Mama told me not to come because Corey Wells is the lead singer on this song, Uh, and he died on this date back in 2015 at the age of 74. Uh, Rest in peace, Corey Wells, who was born Emil Lewandowski. Was his real Very name. nice. Corey Very Wells' nice. Is stage name. Rest in
3: peace, buddy. <laughs> Marcus path off the beaten path coming up next. I wouldn't go anywhere, Score Squad. This show could end at any time. <laughs> it probably is gonna end several
2: more <laughs> times before it actually. Gosh, ends. I hope
3: so. This is the best thing we, we've I ever we, come we, up with. We've, yeah, this we got a good bit
2: going on the show. More to more to come, right? Yeah, we'll be right back. <laughs>
0: Playing. I don't think the heavy stuff's going to come down for quite
3: a while. The show continues with Leo and Bulky. We're going off the beaten path with Marcus Path. Off the beaten path is brought to you by Appleton Trophy. They are located at 2401 North Richmond Street in Appleton. Go to AppletonTrophy.com to see all of its products. Marcus Pfaff uh, will be joining us here in just a moment as we try to make connection with him. He is back in Las Vegas. It was so good to see him on Monday in the studio. Hard to believe it's it's been since 2017. I th- actually, I think I saw him. Uh, he came back one time when we went uh, we went golfing. At Reed, beautiful Reed Golf Course. I bet that's uh, that's looking really, really good today on this beautiful fall day. Marcus Pfaff, are you with us, my friend?
1: I am, boys, but I'm about to transition over to Bluetooth here, so give me one sec.
3: (laughs) All right. I'll keep vamping. Uh, The the
2: great uh, wonders of technology. This is life
1: on the road for you. This is life on the road.
3: (laughs) Life on the road. He was on
2: an airplane earlier this week. Now he's he's in in the automobile this week. When is Marcus taking the train? That's the question. (laughs) He was just sitting right, all right next to me. All
1: right, all right, boys, we're set. Live radio while driving. This is what happened. All right, right here.
3: let's get right to it then. What was your reaction to Terry Stotts leaving Milwaukee after clashing with Adrian Griffin? Do we know he was clashing? Do we yeah, know that's that the report f- we saw from The Athletic, yeah.
1: I heard there was a fart in the world. Yeah, that was, <laughs> th- that was the report, but then I, I, I checked the Bucks website last night just to see what was up. I haven't looked yet this morning, guys. Maybe you have Terry Stotts was still listed as a member of the coaching staff late last night. Interesting. Um, I, 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 yeah, well, for whatever that actually means, who knows. But I will say, if this is true, <laughs> it's, it's an embarrassing look for the Bucks, in my opinion. Frankly, it makes me uh, in the higher a little bit. Now, without knowing the circumstances behind all this, Terry Stotts is at least a guy who's been on the bench as a head coach in the past and can offer some guidance to Adrian Griffin in year one. At least that was the expectation in having him there, presumably. Also a guy that Damian Lillard's awfully close to because he played for him for a number of years in Portland. So to have this happen prior to what is the most hyped season in, in Bucks history, I, think that's, I don't think that's hyperbole. Even going back to the year, the year in which they won it all, uh, of course, there were just different circumstances entering it. With Lillard and Giannis in the fold, there's as much hype and as much expectation in town as there ever has been. And to have it start like this is just it's disheartening, guys. I, 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 I'll admit, I go, well, it makes me wonder, was this the right hire at head coach? But again, that's unfair to Adrian Griffin without knowing the circumstances of what was discussed, what exactly caused the friction, why... You know, did he allegedly call out Terry Stotts in front of the team in practice? Uh, I, I'd like more details there before making a blanket judgment, but certainly it's disconcerting at the very least right now to start off this year like that.
2: Marcus, um, this is the last time we're going to talk to you prior to the Bucks tipping off their 2023-2024 season. Can you give us your prediction on how the season ends for the Bucks? Is it with champagne and a trophy?
1: Well... I mean, I appreciate the question, Bulky, but there's so many unanswered questions about this team right now and how they're going to gel. that it's really uh, – I mean, I know I don't love to do this a lot, but just trying to think practically about it, I don't know what the, what the uh, answer is yet. But I, I sure I, – they're sure set up on paper to be hoisting the trophy. It's, it's a matter of you know, can they get by Boston at year's end. Based on what we've seen or what we know of the players on the roster – I certainly think they're equipped to do that. But without having any knowledge of Adrian Griffin, you know what he brings to the table as a head coach, and frankly, just how does Game Lillard match up with Drew Holiday in a seven-game series, offense versus defense, which may very well be what it comes down to for this team, it's it's tough to say. I mean, it really could be a coin flip at this point as to in terms of which team is better equipped to go on and, and win it all. Uh, I do think that's why the regular season becomes important. You'd like to play these games at home in Milwaukee. Of course, we know that's not always a cure-all either, as Boston has won big games, including game six, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, away from home, away from their home. Uh, but end of the day, that's, that's an important piece of this. So I do think that the regular season's going to mean something, uh, and jockeying for seating will still be important. Uh, but, you know, to, to your question, uh, they're, they're one of maybe four teams, in my mind, that stick out as uh, legitimate contenders to win it all this year. And uh, a lot of what ultimately happens may very well depend on some of the moves that are made along the way, health, and then, of course, just waiting to see what Adrian Griffin does and how he approaches this, this job as head coach, especially now without Terry Stotts by his side to sort of be the you know play the role of training wheels, so to speak.
3: Let's move along to your beloved Wisconsin Badgers. uh, Braden Locke starting tomorrow against the Illini on the road. I'm a little skeptical about how he is going to play. Do you think they can get it done on the road with Braden Locke at quarterback tomorrow?
1: Well, I I think Braden Locke is a talented kid. There's no way you become a four-star recruit and have offers to a lot of major Power Five schools without being talented. Uh, and, and he comes from a state that's known for football in Texas. So he's got ability, but he's young, and he hasn't really had a chance to hone that ability all that much yet, certainly not with game reps until last week. And, to, you know, to his credit or in his defense, being thrust into a game against a defense like Iowa is not an easy task to take on. Certainly, we're watching at home and we're watching in stadium and saying, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And I was, uh, you know, right there having attended that one saying, you've got to be better about having an internal clock in your head at times. But I'd like to believe that with a, a, a week of preparation, knowing he's the starter, and then playing a team that it just isn't as formidable, uh, quite frankly, as Iowa is, certainly on the defensive side of the ball, that he's going to have a much better performance than what we saw last week. Now, does that mean he's the quarterback of the future for this team? Uh, you know, that's stupid to even to suggest one way or another just yet, but um, I, I, I do certainly think he has a chance at becoming that, and this, I, I would expect this week to go a lot better for him than what we saw uh, a week ago. Of course, it can't get much worse for the Badgers because that was one of the most putrid offensive performances I've seen from them in all my years watching that team down there, so uh, here's hoping for
2: it. You know, we, we kind of thought that the Badgers would get it done last week, and then they didn't. We're hoping the Badgers get it done this week, but we, we don't know until tomorrow afternoon. Similarly, Marcus, two weeks ago, I think most people thought the Packers are going to go out to Las Vegas and get a win. That did not happen. Yeah. Um, and, and I feel like that is causing a lot of people to, to be very skittish about this game in Denver on Sunday, a team that has a defense that has looked historically bad thus far this season uh, coming into, you know, what's the opposite of the unstoppable force and the immovable object? Cause that's what this Packers offense seems like right now against this Broncos defense coming into this game. We will have a winner, probably not a tie uh, come uh, early so- uh, Sunday evening. Who's it going to be? Is it going to be green Bay? That's going to find a way to get back to three and three, or does Denver shock the world and send Packers, uh, social media into chaos with, uh, with the Packers losing and going to 2-4? and four.
1: Well, I, I don't know if I'm in the minority on this or not. I know better than I would be in the midst of it now, but I, I'm still not all that down on the Packers. Yes, they have given and done things, given us reason and done things to make us uh, raise an eyebrow, certainly at times with this offense, and they've got to get better in certain areas. I, like a lot of people, thought they'd win at Las Vegas, but you know who didn't? Las Vegas, and I mean the odds makers had had the Raiders favored in that game. Um, frankly, for me, it, it this is I didn't mention this with the Badgers offense, but it, it's kind of the same thing with the Badgers and Packers right now. They beat themselves so frequently with pre-snap penalties, ball starts, misalignments. Uh, you know, too many the wrong personnel on the field, which is really frustrating, obviously, to watch as a fan. Uh, but I think that, you know, for me, looking at the Packers and, and how, can they win at Denver this week, that's the, that's the thing that I'm most concerned with is if you go out there and don't beat yourselves and do some of the things that we've seen the Packers offense do when they're running high this year, which, granted, isn't as frequently as they, you know, the low lights necessarily, but they have had moments where they've looked very, very good. Uh, and, and frankly, having Aaron Jones back would go a long way with all of that, too. Your best player on that side of the ball. But if they don't beat themselves, I absolutely think they go out to Denver and come away with a win. If you're seeing pre-snap penalties and and uh, you know, just some of the things that you'd like to believe would, would be cleaned up with proper coaching at practice throughout the week, then no, they very well could get beat because we know Russell Wilson, deep down somewhere inside of him, still has some level of talent. Sean Payton is not as inept as he's looked as a head coach this season, certainly based on his reputation and the, you know, the kind of money that he was handed to, to go out there and be the head coach. So uh, it, it's, it's possible that they do, they do uh, wind up laying an egg, but I want to believe that somewhere along the line this is going to click for some of these guys and maybe some of the, the stupid beat-yourself-type mistakes are going to uh, be mitigated. And, and, and they're going to look much more like a formidable football team because I, I don't know if I'm just being overly optimistic right now, but I want to believe and do believe that the Packers can be a lot better than what they are. Uh, and it's going to start with the offensive line, and this is another similarity for all the differences that exist between the Packers and Badgers right now. The poor play up front on the O-line is a consistent theme for both squads, and, and they're going to need those guys to play much better in order to come away with wins on both Saturday and Sunday moving forward, and that's certainly true against Denver this week as well.
2: I believe it was Fox Mulder who originally said, (laughs) I want to believe, and Marcus Paff is going X-Files on us on this Packer discussion that we're having (laughs) about the Denver Broncos game. Marcus, thank you so much. We appreciate it.
1: The truth is out there, both. The truth is out out there
2: about this Packers
1: team. We'll see.
2: That is a great point. <laughs> Follow him on the X at Marcus Paff, M-A-R-Q-U-E-S-P-F-A-F-F. Marcus, enjoy your uh, lunch meeting today. Thanks for accommodating the show. We appreciate it, and we will talk with you again next week.
1: All right, boys. Be well. We'll take take care. Talk soon.
2: Marcus Paff uh, joining the show today as we are now off the beaten path. Kick those boots off and put them in the mudroom. I don't want that traipsing all over the scores. <laughs> traipsing. To, I don't want that traipsing. How old <laughs> are you? How do you know the word traips? <laughs> I, I don't know. Somebody said it. Um, I don't want you traipsing all that mud from off the beaten path on the, the scores gorgeous <laughs> spotless carpet here. Um, and Yeah, it uh, looks spotless. It is spotless. It is spotless. And I'll tell you this. Don't think I just won't end the show early if you're going to behave like this. <laughs> I'll, turn this- <laughs> I'll turn this whole show around. We'll go right back home. <laughs> guess, <laughs> guess on the score brought to you by Fleet Farm. Visit FleetFarm.com. <laughs> Fleet Farm built for real life. I should have asked you this. The, um, I, I was thinking about this during the interview. Did you say the Badgers are, are going to win? No. Okay, so they're losing. What was the score? 17-13, uh, right? 17-13. That's yeah. what you said, yeah. Okay, so you have the, both the Packers and the Badgers losing.
3: Yes, I do. Interesting. I guess I voted on the poll question, too.
2: Uh, yeah, we'll get to that in the second hour. Yeah, we will. And by the way, that got posted last night. Really? Yeah. There's another radio show that posted almost the exact same poll question today. Huh. What
3: show could that have
2: been? May or may not, his name may or may not rhyme with Bike Keller. <laughs> <laughs> Mark. I'm not. I'm not claiming. Um, I'm not claiming like we have such an original poll question. It's not that original, um, but yeah, thought that was interesting. Yeah, that is. So maybe we're doing something right. If the great Mike Keller is doing the same stuff as us. Um, happy birthday. Is it Hootie's birthday? It, no, it's not. Well, Hootie is not a person. Hootie I know. Hootie the is band just, is Hootie. The band is Hootie,
3: but there is. Darius a, Rucker. It is not Darius Rucker's birthday. He's no. too busy being on the Dan Patrick show. Well, he still celebrates a birthday. Oh, he does. Yes. But not today. No, not today. Oh, sorry.
2: Um, I'm trying to find it here. Um, I thought I had it up. Why does this always happen? I always think I'm totally prepared and then I never am. Jim Sonefield, the, the drummer from Hootie, Ho- the blowfish. They went to number one in 1995 with, a song that, with the album of that this song that we're listening to was on. It's called Cracked Rear View. Hard to believe. 28 years ago. Sold more than 15 million copies. Um, oh, El Grande is calling me right now. El Grande! Um, and uh, this is uh, I Only Want to Be With You, which I believe was the lead single off this album. So happy 59th birthday to Jim Sonnefeld, the drummer from Hootie and the Blue Book. All right,
3: we have to get to a break so Bulky can take his phone call. Peter Bukowski will join us when we come back.
2: The Score's next big deals auction is coming up October 26th. We're teaming up with Rainbow Play Systems of Northeast Wisconsin to auction a backyard playset and trampoline. You could bid and buy this amazing package for a fraction of the cost. Online bidding begins Thursday, October 26th at 6 a.m. Head to thescorewy.com and click on the big deals button for more information. I read
3: it, man Landers. I oh, am Landers sucks. <laughs> The show continues, Leo and Bulky taking you home on a Friday afternoon and now joining us, our second guest today, from The Leap, he's the co-founder and the Locked On Packers podcast host, Peter Bukowski. Peter, thanks for uh, changing up your schedule and joining us today on uh, on Friday's program. We appreciate it.
0: Well, you know, with, with such a marquee matchup, I felt like I, I had to make sure we made the schedules work. Yeah,
3: you, you got that right, my friend. So if Aaron Jones is fully healthy,
0: why would you add
3: James Robinson to your practice squad? Can you tell us that? Uh,
0: because A.J. Dillon has been not very good. I think that's the <laughs> easiest answer. And, be, right. and I think, frankly, you know, given uh, the, the state of the running back room so far this season, in, in light of um, A.J. Dillon not being the player that we had seen in recent years um, – and you can't give Emmanuel Wilson reps. I mean, that seems to be the place where they are with their trust levels with him. If you can't trust him and Patrick Taylor can't be on this team and and obviously they felt like um, they wanted to continue to develop Wilson but couldn't put him on the practice squad for whatever reason. I'm not. I'm not quite sure I understand the way that this is all being handled, frankly, with the running back room. But if you can't play Wilson, then you have to get someone else that you feel like if you needed to you could play. Now, the fact that, that you have him on the practice squad, um, Robinson, you know, I, I think that is, is right now, some insurance, but it is nice to have some veteran insurance. And I think that was one of the problems the last few weeks with Aaron Jones, not being out there or not being a hundred percent in the case of the lions game that you just didn't have anyone you could turn to. And when the answer is Patrick Taylor, then man, I shudder to think what the question was.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Peter, um, what we saw in Las Vegas was not good. It was really bad, um, and and the Packers have not played that bad in a long time. Um, is it fair or unfair to start questioning the rationale, the plan, of having so many inexperienced pass catchers and skill position players on the offensive side of the ball when you are trying to grow a quarterback uh, that, that, is, that you know simply needs the reps, and he doesn't have any veterans out there that he can count on on third down uh, to, to go to. Now, I know Aaron Jones was hurt, but is it fair to start saying, hey, is this really a viable strategy to see proper growth from
0: these guys? I think that depends on what kind of runway this team is evaluating on. If when the Packers signed the contract with Jordan Love, the two year deal, rather than picking up the fifth year option, it becomes essentially like picking up the fifth year option, but for a little less uh, guaranteed money and and you know, the help with the cap sheet and all that stuff. If what the Packers are saying is, this is a two year plan, really, then uh, it, it is too early. Um, but that's not to say that we can't question, some of the development and the growth strategies that this team is employing because the Vegas defense is not very good, but they've trended up. And over the last three or four weeks, they've been playing better. Max Crosby is really a really good player. And Patrick Graham, frankly is a very good defensive coordinator in my opinion. This Broncos defense is terrible, historically bad. If they can't get it together, even with all of the struggles that they have, with the youth and the inexperience and all those things. If you can't at least look competent and look and more than competent, look, look good. I mean, this is Justin Fields looks good against this defense. If you can't do well in that circumstance, then you have to start wondering, okay, are there structural problems here? Are there coaching problems here? And what is the situation with Jordan love? Are you as sure as you were six weeks ago that he can be someone that you can develop into a full-time starter? Now I'm not ready to have that conversation right now today, but if we're sitting here next week going, why can't this offense get it together? Um, Then, then I think we do have to start asking some of these questions, even if we're looking at a long time horizon here, because this defense is terrible it's terrible guys and so you have to you have to look better than they looked against the Raiders certainly it has to look much more like it did against the Falcons where at least for a couple quarters they looked pretty good and then and then go from there it's it's going to be somewhat contextual but man you you got to figure it out this week
3: so if you're giving Joe Barry a letter grade on his performance so far this season what would it be Peter
0: um, I would say generally like a B minus. Um, and, and I think that that's sort of how I would grade Joe Barry's defense, his performance to date as a defensive coordinator. Like, I think this season has been very much, uh, in, in, in keeping with what we've seen from Joe Barry throughout his career. And And what's interesting is uh, certainly in green Bay, at least is, you know, there are plenty of excuses to be made. Jair Alexander in and out of the lineup. Looks like all of a sudden this back injury is going to keep him out this week, even though he practiced um, earlier in the week. Um, Devondre Campbell has not been in the lineup for going on a month now of of real time. Um, And, and you you know, Rashawn Gary ramping up all those things. And yet, you know, it's hard to say that they lost because of the Raiders on on defense. Uh, You know, the, the defense played well enough to win in the Saints game and the Bears game. It's why they won those games. Um, and, and so the offense had to, you know, make some plays in the fourth quarter. But part of that was because the special teams spit the bit against the Saints. The only game that the defense you can really hang on the defense is the Lions game. Certainly, they no they know showed. And then the fourth quarter. I mean, you can't blow that that lead in the fourth quarter to Desmond Ritter and and wh- whatever's going on in Atlanta. But like for example, the Raiders game for all the wailing and gnashing of teeth and rending of garments that we did about Preston Smith covering Devontae Adams, like, the the Raiders averaged 4.4 yards per play. I think they had 279 total yards of offense. Josh Jacobs averaged 3.5 yards per rush. Devontae Adams had less than 50 yards receiving. Like, the Packers lost that game because the offense could not get its butt in gear. And so the Packers have been unable to play complementary football And I think that's when Jair Alexander says we need to allow no touchdowns. I think what he's really saying is if the offense is not going to, to, you know, produce at a high level in a given game, then we as a defense need to be even better. We, we need to be able to win a game 13, 10, 13, seven, and they weren't. Um, And and I think that that's something that from the talent from a talent standpoint, you would want out of this defense. There are, there are defenses around the league playing better with less talent right now than green Bay has.
2: Peter Vikowski joining us, uh, the founder of the Leap uh, Packers newsletter. Subscribe now at the leap.football. And of course, listen to him on the lockdown Packers podcast when he hosts that as well. Just a follow up to, to, I'm just thinking out, you know, to myself about this Packers rush defense. And to me, I feel like they, they've they got the, the, the defensive line to clog the run with Slayton and, and obviously, you know, Wyatt I think is better at pass rushing than he is run stuffing, but Kenny Clark's all world, obviously. You have two tackling machines in Devondre Campbell and, and Quay Walker. To me, like, you have the ingredients to, to stuff a run. What you don't have is a safety, and I think because the Packers don't trust their safeties, they're forced to play a ton of too high safety, and it, it allows you to just chew that defense up Grind, grind them out with the ground game, and and that's what we've seen time and time again. Um, a way to fix that, and I don't have any names, and maybe you know a couple of names, Peter, but with the trade deadline coming up, is there a young mm. safety that they could part ways with, with a draft pick or something like that to get a safety not only to help them in 2023, but maybe 2024 and 2025 as well?
0: Yeah, one of them plays in Denver. Justin Simmons would certainly be on that list of names that I would be looking at, and, and there have been reports that he could be had for the right price. I think the thing you have to look at when you're when you're thinking about um, any any uh, trade in in this season is the time horizon that the Packers are working on. Are they young enough that when this team is ready to compete in a year or two time? Let's say Jordan Love, you know, continues to get better and and some of the offensive talent hit in the way that it looks like they could. Um, that's why some of these guys who are 25, 26 coming up at the end of their rookie contracts or in the case of Justin Simmons, who, you know, is I think he's 28 years old. So could still potentially be in his physical prime or something close to it when the Packers are, you know, thinking more about the postseason. Jeremy chin is another name that I think would be worth looking at. Although, you know, the interesting thing, and that's one of those names that I would just like in any case would love something like that with, with Jeremy chin. I think he's a really useful player but it's plays a version of this defense in Carolina and chin has been relegated to sideline duty. I mean, he's, he's basically a dime linebacker at this point. And so, okay, that is not ideal. I think a giro is a really smart coach. So if he doesn't think Jeremy chin is a useful player, I think there's some signal there at the same time, guys, like, is Joe Barry going to be the defensive coordinator of this team next year? Are we sure?
1: Right. How,
0: are, you, are you, are you more than 65% sure I would be an asset uh, 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 acquisition mode? Sorry. Couldn't think of that word for a second. Um, the Packers don't usually acquire much, so I don't have to think of that word very often
1: <laughs> uh, in terms
0: of the <laughs> trade candidates. So, you know, if that's, if, if there is an opportunity to buy low on a guy like Jeremy chin, I would be trying to do it. The problem with some of these other guys is like Buda Baker, It's going to cost you a lot. Justin Simmons, that's going to cost you a lot. Um, Jeremy Chin is now hurt, and so you'd have to probably, like, waive the physical requirement to get him, and you'd probably have to sign to a new deal. And there's a lot of extenuating circumstances there. Um, I I don't think there is a safety trade out there. I I think, though, this does underscore something that I've been talking about on Locked on Packers and the Leap, a newsletter I'd love for you to subscribe to, um, for a couple years now. And that is where is the investment at this safety position. I'm not saying first round picks or second round picks either. Like I'm not even doing the like oh no first round receiver thing. They've done nothing. They they took Darnell Savage in the first round in 2019. They took Adrian Amos in free agency in 2019. Since then, what have they done? Where have they where show me where they've allocated resources to this position. Look at what's going on in Cleveland right now, guys. Jim Schwartz came in and they are they are. It is. It is one of the most dominating and suffocating defenses by the numbers since the 2000 Ravens. That's how good they're playing with basically the same personnel. They added Davon Tomlinson, and that helps, and Shelby Harris, and that helps. But we're talking about interior defensive linemen. It, it's not moving the needle that much. But the the big move was they added a safety, Rodney McLeod, and they live now in these three safety nickel looks. Ironically, the kind of thing that Mike Petton loved to do, <laughs> and they are just. They're just suffocating people, and in in a world now where you have to be able to fit the run. This was the this was the idea behind the Quay Walker draft pick. Was hey, we just want to live in nickel and be able to do anything, well, except when you have to actually play nickel. Like you need you need safeties who can cover. Quay Walker can can do some things like safeties, but he can't literally play safety. You need guys who can actually do the thing there. And, and for the Packers to have invested so little over the last few years in that position, since 2019, it, it is just not in keeping with the way the modern NFL looks. And, and you know, the Browns, Grant Delpit, he was the top 100 pick. They went out and they signed Rodney McLeod. Um, they they drafted Jeremiah Wosu koromoa Now, he's sort of a hybrid player. But... The reason I keep going to that as an example is they changed their DC and they added one or two players. And all of a sudden they went from a defense that everyone's going, why isn't this really talented group achieving at the level that we think their talent says they should. And then all of a sudden now they're the best defense in the league. The Packers could make that kind of jump with the right DC hire and one or two pieces, but I don't understand why they didn't decide that one of those pieces should be a safety at some point in the last few years.
2: Peter, let me, uh, let me ask you this. There's a narrative, a pretty strong one out there, that the Matt LaFleur led Packers can't play out of a bye. They stink coming out of the bye. How much do you agree mm-hmm. or disagree with that?
0: Well, the numbers say that that's just wrong. Um, I mean, it's just like, it's one of those things that I understand how it happened because the first two years that uh, Matt LaFleur was the coach, they got wrecked coming out of the bye. But those two games were against teams that, beat them in the playoffs and so and and in the case of the 49ers in 2019 beat the crap out of them twice once in the postseason and once coming out of the bye it doesn't matter when those games were played the 49ers were going to wreck that 2019 Packers team they were just that much better now the the Tampa game um, the Packers came out strong in that one uh, and then started turning the ball over and the defense played atrociously the offense followed suit and that game was closer in the NFC Championship game. It was a difference in where it was played, too. That game was in Tampa in the regular season and in, in that Lambeau Field in the postseason. But I, I like those are not compelling pieces of evidence to me. It's also interesting that in those same seasons, coming out of the playoff bye, the Packers played two of their best games in the Matt LaFleur They beat the Seahawks. They were winning uh, 21-7 or 21-10 at halftime of that game. They came out playing great football in that one. And they, I think Matt LaFleur's masterpiece, um, that, that Rams game against Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and Brandon Staley and the number one defense in the league, um, they scored 30 points at home in in a game where they stayed patient and they had, a, they had a play action shot. They were so sure that this play was gonna work that they called it, Alan Lazard dropped it. So they called it again, a possession later and hit it for a touchdown to seal the game. This idea that they can, by the way, they've won out of the bye the last two regular seasons, Um, including last year, right? When this was probably the most underwhelming team of the Matt LaFleur era. They still won coming out of the bye over the last two seasons. I believe they're plus 27 in the two games coming out of the bye. So I I just think the narrative is is wrong um, and silly. And that doesn't mean that they're going to win on Sunday, but... Like, I'm not concerned about that. There's no evidence to me to suggest that there is some structural problem or, or, you know, Matt LaFleur specific problem with coming out of the bye week. I just think they got beat by two teams early in Matt LaFleur's tenure that made everyone think that this is a thing.
3: Okay. So we want your prediction anyway. You're not sure if they're going to go in and win in the mile high city, but what is your prediction for Sunday?
0: Uh, I think they're going to go into the in the Mile High City and win. (laughs) So, you know, I'm not sure, but I think that's what's going to happen. This Broncos team, they they stink. They (laughs) just are so bad. And even even in the so-called good game that they played last week, that was a better game. You guys know that the Chiefs won by double digits in that one, right? Like they covered eleven and a half. Um, Russell Wilson had 95 passing yards and 80% of them came on the final drive. Like, this is an inept football team right now. To the point that there are Reddit conspiracy theories on Broncos Twitter about how Sean Payton knew when he took this job they were going to tank for Caleb Williams. That's how bad they're playing. Mm. And this is a historically bad defense. It's a, a an offense that had looked a little better early in the season, but the last few weeks has been pretty bad. So I just, this is, uh, the Packers have to win. And I know the Broncos, I don't think the Broncos care if they win. I think this is like a 27-14 kind of game. I think this is when the Packers say, okay, no, no, we're, we're, we're actually a real team this year.
2: We'd love to see it. We hope you're right, Peter. To learn more, go to theleap.football. Subscribe today and listen to the Lockdown Packers podcast anywhere you get podcasts, including thescorewi.com. Continue to follow Peter on the X at Peter underscore Bukowski. Peter, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. We will talk with you again real soon. Guests on The Score are brought to you by Fleet Farm. Visit fleetfarm.com, Fleet Farm, built for real life big big birthday today oh it's a big birthday in the hip-hop world let's see if leo can decipher this one
3: (laughs) any guesses wow Uh, (laughs) is he is he is he singing yet nope I don't know, man. Literally saying it in the lyrics. Who this is? Oh, well,
2: now it's not. Oh, now I, now I can
3: hear Snoop Dogg. Snoop, Calvin. Snoop De Calvin. Hey, bring your green hat. Calvin Brod is celebrating a big
2: birthday to Well, not what, his a big name's one. Calvin. Calvin Brotus is his real name. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. I did not know that. He is 52 years young today. Better known as Snoop Dogg or Snoop Doggy Dogg. We're listening to Who Am I, What's My Name, the lead single off of his number one 1993 album, Doggy Style. <laughs> um, and he also went to number 12 in 1996 for uh, with Snoop's Upside Your Head. Happy birthday to Snoop Dogg as we listen to Who Am I, What's My Name.
3: Come on, Snoop! We're all going streaking through the quad.
2: <laughs> Let's get the party cracker back in, <laughs> <up> in here. crack a and up the gear. Score poll. Whatever
3: he said. I can't remember the line. Let's get Olds. this party back cracking. Yeah, that's what it was. Thank you. Score poll coming up. Fantasy football overtime. 1265 today. Acme Packing Company. Green Bay Packers analyst Justice Miskata. All that coming up in hour two. Like I said, can't
1: with this. Can't with that. That I dropped because you know it don't stop. Mr. 187 on them. Top tick tock. Now what a glock. Just some nuts in the clock. Robin. Then I killed them blood pot.